Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to DNF, the podcast for people who love F1 and, uh, you know, love F1. That's pretty much it. If you love F1, <laughs> you can listen to the show. We don't have any other qualifiers. There no are other no tagline. other fences. Nope. No other tagline. Okay. We, we're, we're here for all of you, uh, but particularly those of you who care about <clears throat> the important and pressing issues in F1 following this week's uh, Brazil Grand Prix. Je and uh, by that, Jessica, I mean a GQ photo shoot. Max Verstappen. Oof. Um, yeah. I, I was just going to like originally come in and without even introducing us, um, I'm Spencer Hall. Without even introducing us, I was just going to say, go ahead. Floor is yours. The man absolutely tanked the shoot. <laughs> okay. Well, there's plenty of of important race things to talk about. But yeah, mm -hmm. we do need to start with the fact that we're recording this a day after the race because I was feeling very under the weather this weekend, which I'm so happy in hindsight because this GQ article and photo shoot came out Monday. So now we get to talk about it. So he is on the GQ cover this month as part of their like man of the year issue. And I think he was like named their athlete of the year, possibly. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure what the like GQ awards system uh, works, like how, how that whole thing works. But anyways, Spencer, the cover is Max on a gray white background in a white turtleneck, just face on at the camera. And then all of these pictures inside are just like him, like, straight on facing the camera or like his profile or like literally the back of his head. And he is serving zero looks in any of these photos. He has like no model face. He has no blue steel. I'm just in awe of how little effort was put into like giving us some some personality shots. Like we all saw that Vogue shoot that Lando Norris did and Daniel Ricardo did and George Russell did, and they looked fun and happy and great. And Max looks like the most serious person in the entire world. And I really, frankly, doesn't do it for me. An obsessive man with obsessive habits to the point of excluding anything else that might be real interesting. You're not going to get a lot of money quotes out of him. You're not going to get a lot of takeouts. There's not going to be a lot of content cut from a Max Verstappen interview all the way down to, yeah, I'm pretty emotional. And talking about when he won a title, the writer asks him, hey, what did you say to your dad? And uh, he said, yeah, we did it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, man. He's not being rude. He's just Dutch. I am I paraphrasing a popular television show there. Please do not email me. I haven't finished reading like line by line the entire profile, but what I've gathered from it is that it's basically explaining how his upbringing was so like singularly focused on him being a aggressive race car driver that mm -hmm. he became an aggressive race car driver and now is like living that out. And, and it's like pretty much his entire personality is like aggressive race car driver guy, right? Is that yeah, what I'm gathering from this profile? 
Do you know how hard this man's going to be sideswiped by finding out he has a hobby? Like, that's going to be amazing. He's going to be 45 years old, and he's going to go, Whoa, video games! Wow! (laughs) (laughs) You know? I mean, maybe we're being a little mean to Max Verstappen off the top of the bat here, but he was pretty mean to his teammate this weekend and (laughs) has done himself no favors. And and so, yes, we are starting the episode by talking about his his GQ cover shoot, and obviously people are going to compare it to Lewis Hamilton and all the other drivers that have worn much more interesting things and have much more interesting photos taken of them. And that's part of F1, right? Is that mm-hmm. you do these things because these people are international superstars. So we have to compare all of the, uh, the other media things that they do to one another. But yeah, this timing of this thing coming out is funny because reading the replies and the quote tweets on Twitter, which we will not have for for probably many more GQ cover shoots, everyone is just ripping this guy apart because of what he did this weekend with Sergio Perez. So let's, yeah. I guess we should maybe go back and, and start from there. Yeah, so not the best weekend for Max Verstappen, period. Um, he, in the sprint race, was uh, bullied? I think that's a fair word. Max Verstappen was absolutely bullied. Uh, by, among other people, George Russell. Remember that name, because for, because <laughs> that may be foreshadowing. Uh, he did not feel well all week, per race broadcast and other sources. No one felt good this weekend, from what no, I can gather. I, you know what? I think there's a lot of, when you come from a place where it's fall, and you go to a place where it's a very warm spring, it's a lot like if you work in a real air-conditioned building, and you're going in and out. Your body's just going to freak out and get a cold. I think mm-hmm. that's what happened. That's what, ha- that's what happened to me, Spen- I, Spencer. I went from the freaking Clemson-Notre Dame game, freezing my ass off, back to Miami, and my body shut down. I imagine that's what going from, uh, well, I guess they were in Austin, right? And then they all went to Vegas, and then they all went to Brazil. I don't know. These guys have been all over the planet. So, yeah, they're all sick. Yeah, warm weather is bad for you is the lesson there. Let's just yes. go ahead and, and write that down. Embrace the cold. Stay away from warm places and you won't get sick like Max Verstappen was all week, which genuinely affected his performance. There were other factors from that. They just didn't. Red Bull didn't race well. And I think they could be forgiven for, you know, a lack of focus, given that they've already won everything. Let's Mm -hmm. just not sleep on that. However, however, after a difficult week leading up to the race itself and starting Uh, still managing to start third on the grid behind Russell and Hamilton. Verstappen was just never really there the entire race. Had an incident with with Lewis going around a turn where, um, who was adjudged in the wrong on that? Shockingly, Max Verstappen got a five-second penalty for that. Yeah. Yeah. I really didn't, I did not see that coming. Well, and, and, and can I just say, I didn't see it, right? Race announcers didn't see that. That's not what I saw. I don't think yeah. Lewis gave him room um, when he. I thought had I thought it would be a ra- I thought it would just be a racing incident, honestly. Yeah, like I, I didn't think so either. And it's rare for me to side with Max Verstappen on an issue of aggression I know, I'm because that you did that. Yeah, because he's usually so crazily aggressive, uh, especially given who he was dealing with here, Lewis Hamilton, a person who you know typically runs a fairly clean race. Not necessarily the instance here. They gave Verstappen the penalty. He falls behind. So, Jessica, let's go to um, the end race scenario where Max Verstappen is in, I believe, sixth place and is racing for uh, nothing. He's racing. He's already won a title. 
He's already uh, gotten Red Bull Constructors Championship. Um, there's, there's nothing on the line here whatsoever other than I am the fastest man in the world. Uh, behind him is his teammate, Sergio Perez, a.k.a. Checo. I will call him Checo for brevity's sake here. Checo is racing very well and is in a position to move up in the standings with very real imp positive implications for Red Bull as a team overall. I will let you take it from this point. Okay, so the team radio, they say, let Checo through. He is racing for second place. We want a one-two finish in the Drivers' Championship. Let him through. And Max Verstappen says, no. I'm. You know why? I told you last summer, and I have my reasons. So then they tell Checo, uh, kind of simultaneously, Max is going to let you through. And then he doesn't. And they're like, actually, Max isn't going to let you through. Sorry, mate. And he's like, shows you what kind of person he is. So... The team is fighting Spencer. This is a big deal for the chemistry of the group. Might not come into play by the end of the season. Obviously, there's there's still a lot at stake for Checo and Abu Dhabi. If he's behind Verstappen at, at some point, it'll be interesting to see if Verstappen actually follows team orders and lets him win. But this whole thing apparently stems from this year's race at Monaco, which was so many months ago. There have been like, I think I've had like three different COVID variants since that Monaco race when I also had COVID earlier this summer. It was a long time. It was 15 races ago. It was in May. It was over Memorial Day weekend. Spencer, do you remember anything from Memorial Day weekend? No, I don't. I don't no. remember anything. I barely you know remember anything you know from does? this race. You know who does? Max Verstappen still remembers everything that happened to him at this race, which was also kind of crazy now in hindsight that we're hearing there's, this is where it gets a little messy because there are two reporters claiming that they heard Sergio Perez admit that he purposely crashed his car at Monaco so that he would qualify in third place ahead of Max Verstappen. Mm -hmm. And Verstappen wasn't able to go out and finish his flying lap and qualify ahead. Monaco, we know, is very difficult to overtake during the actual race. So qualifying position is everything there. Right. So Sergio Perez allegedly, according to these two reporters, admitted that that was the case. No one else has been able to verify if that's true or not, like I read Nate Saunders article in ESPN about it this morning. ESPN hasn't been able to verify whether he admitted it or not. Regardless, this kind of thing has happened before. So maybe he didn't do it on purpose. Maybe he was just kind of racing fast and loose because he already had the time and it led to some sort of crash incident that ended qualifying. We don't really know. That's not really the point, though. The point is that Max Verstappen finished behind Checo in the race and he believed that he should have gotten 10 extra points and won that race and that Red Bull didn't do many favors. And we know this because his dad wrote a blog post on MaxVerstappen.com after Monaco that basically said as much. So he's been carrying this grudge with him, I guess, allegedly, since the end of May. And this is where it was borne out in this race that means pretty much nothing for Max Verstappen because he's already won, but means a whole lot to his teammate and to the rest of the team that want to see them finish one too. And so he didn't let him through. And it played out over the radio, so we all heard it. All the fans know. Checo has a bajillion fans. He's an incredibly popular driver. Red mm -hmm. Bull's obviously an incredibly, incredibly popular team. And so it's, yeah, like, like you said, bad weekend for Max Verstappen because it, this doesn't do him any favors with any fans that have already decided that he's really not a good teammate. This quote, and the quote, the quote from, from Checo, um, it, this is what I love, by the way, one of the things I do love about F1, that we're not English only, that there is an international yes. press corps and you will get 
a slightly different story that does two very important things. One, it adds a unique element to me of multiple voices, multiple angles on a story. Sometimes we don't really know what's going on or what was intended because there's a literal element of translation at times. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing I love is that it validates me taking like four or five languages for a year to a year and a half through high school and college because I can pick out approximately 30% of what everyone is saying. <laughs> and that makes me feel real smart and real cosmopolitan. But the thing that, that Paris said about Verstappen in Spanish to one uh, broadcaster was, I believe if he has two championships, it is down to me. Yeah, and he's not wrong. No, he's not at 100%. all. He's 100% right. And that's the part of it that I think is unfortunate because he has been a really good teammate. He's followed team orders. Did he maybe get carried away at Monaco and, and go for a win there? Yeah, maybe he did. But I think the week before was coming off of a race where he begrudgingly let Verstappen go ahead of him in Spain. And he wanted to go out there and win a race and prove himself for his team and his fans. And I guess you can't really blame him if that's the case, because they both ended up finishing and getting points. Um, and, and Checo obviously got, got the win there, but I do feel like, you know, I, I think it's, it comes down to him feeling like he's been a good little soldier for Red Bull and the payback can be, let me finish in second place. Like what skin is it off of Max's nose if I just finish in second? And even, even though maybe I did something on accident or on purpose that he didn't care for in Monaco, he still got his win. I still let him go ahead of me in all these other races. I, I raced my ass off against Lewis Hamilton in Abu Dhabi last year so that he would have mm -hmm. the win there. Maybe my favorite piece of driving I've ever seen. Right. Was it was incredible. The was the defense to hold up Hamilton and to allow Verstappen back into that race. Um, it was thrilling and resulted in Verstappen saying, ah, Checo is a legend. Right. 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 You might, could you remember that for just, for just one second when you had nothing on the line? I'm not saying it wasn't within his rights as the obvious primary driver for Red Bull. You know, like you get my favorite responses you get when talking about this on social media or anywhere else are from the dumbest people you know, which is, <laughs> you make, you make the number one. It's a racing team. It is a racing team. And yes, Max is number one and they <laughs> aim to have him win the championship. I would like to issue another piece of breaking news to the <gasps> dumbest people you know. That's done. That's right. already done. He won a title. That's it. Stop, like, like seriously, stop absolutely falling prostrate at the feast of sports sociopathy. Stop. It's the, what? Let him have it. I don't think let, the dumbest people dude. you know are going to really understand what you just said, Spencer, but. Um, That's fine. I'm not talking to them anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's just, I mean, there's like a few things happening that are very funny here. One is that, like, this season and last season have ended in really weird ways for Max Verstappen, for the yeah. champion of the sport. Last season, obviously, we don't even have to go through that unprecedented situation. He wins in Abu Dhabi. He gets to celebrate. There's fireworks, there's trophies, there's champagne. But there's a little bit of like a cloud hanging over it. As Ted Kravitz would say, he robbed Lewis Hamilton of the title. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, if I said that, Red Bull would never come on this program, so I won't say it. But that's what Ted Kravitz said. Anyways. Yeah. Then this season, he wins in a really kind of confusing fashion in Japan, mm -hmm. not knowing he scored full points, having found out 
afterwards in an interview that he was the champion. Never really gets to celebrate, never really gets to have like a moment, which I think after last year, he kind of maybe just wanted to have a moment where everyone would be like, hey man, like you're the best, you did it. Even though everyone believes that and thinks that. Mm -hmm. Spencer, I also wonder if there's an element to it, and this is just like pure speculation, where maybe he wants Charles Leclerc to finish in second place because then he gets to prove to people who think that Red Bull just had a really, really good car this season and you could have put anyone behind the wheel, mm-hmm. including Sergio Perez, and they would have beaten the Ferraris and the Mercedes who did not get the, the car right after the regulation change. Yeah, maybe, maybe he does want it to seem like it was a battle between him and the Ferraris this season and not just that he would have won regardless because A, he's a great driver, but B... They nailed it on the car. No one else did. I mean, I've seen Talladega Nights. I know what happens when you don't let a teammate <laughs> through. Your entire life falls apart. You end up driving a car with a cougar on the front, and you learn some valuable moral lessons. That's not going to happen. Max Verstappen mm, will never be punished not. for this because um, his only insistence here is that he always be first. And that's really all you have to do in a two-team or in a two-race racers team setup, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is... It is an inherently unstable system. You're never going to split it. There will always be a primary driver. I recognize that. But with something else on the line, finishing 1-2, it's a nice thing you can push for Mm -hmm. at the end of the season is to have your drivers go 1-2. Doesn't that mean a lot to, and I say this part sincerely and seriously, doesn't that mean a lot to the thousands of people who make you look good? (laughs) (laughs) To the thousands, and that includes not just Checo, but everyone who's working on Checo's car, all the engineers, everyone else, all that money, your corporate sponsors, everybody who goes into that equation. It is, in that light, spectacularly selfish that he did it. Now, has it benefited him? Yeah. But I still get to say that that was an astonishingly selfish thing. And at one point, your teammate might notice. Your teammate might notice and that might add up because if you don't think margins add up then you don't understand racing this is a sport where people care about little things where they care about tiny margins and i'm not just talking about on the clock this goes in terms of your relationships and how you treat people as well exactly you don't want to piss off your teammate in formula one it's like i can't think of another comparison to it other than like if you're on a a bad football team and you're a quarterback and you're being a jerk to your left tackle. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, your left tackle's like, he's not gonna win the game for the team, but maybe he'll let a blocker go through. It, listen, man. Rough you up him, a little bit. You don't wanna it, piss that guy off. In football terms, go ahead and run the trick play where he gets to catch the ball. <laughs> go ahead and run tackle eligible. Do it. Are we talking right? about Tom Brady now? I don't I can't keep my trick plays straight. Uh no, we're talking about we're talking about winners here. People who are, (laughs) we're talking about people who are in championship contention. Touche. I I think that it's unfortunate because Max did have such a dominant season, like in all seriousness, sort of, um, as serious I can be. It's it's unfortunate that Red Bull, with everything that happened this past month with the cost cap um, and everything that happened last offseason, which really wasn't Red Bull's fault. That was an FIA human error situation. Now it's like two years in a row. Red Bull goes into this long offseason with a cloud hanging over their heads and over the head of their champion, who's obviously like doing GQ article art, uh, interviews, who's doing all this media, who's ma- made nice with Netflix and Sky now because they want people to like him. They yeah. want people to root for Max. 
They want people to like their team. And when you put Max and Checo against one another, I think people side with Checo because he comes off looking a whole lot better in this situation. For you, you'll, always just, side, you'll always side with the quiet underdog, right? Exactly, exactly. And he's just, yeah, he's like, what? what isn't to love about Sergio Perez? So it's like two years in a row now of, of just really unnecessary drama following this team around. Mm-hmm. And it's oh. great content. I feel bad for the sport, but it is tremendous content. The person you should feel bad for is Max Verstappen because he's already won a title. And we're engaging him on the terms that he wants to be engaged in. Yeah, That's what we're doing. The terms of engagement for Max Verstappen are... I will alienate my media partners. I will insist that only the racing is important. I will be first, and I will be first uh, no matter what the cost may be organizationally. Those are the yeah. terms. I'm not making anything up. We're not, you know, like you don't have to reach for a hot take. Those are Max's terms, and that's what he's dictated. So if anyone is unsatisfied with this, cool. Why don't you go back <laughs> to the man, you know, why don't you go back to that start? Because I don't think people don't come in saying, I want to dislike a driver. They don't. I, I really don't think they do. They want to watch compelling, hundred percent interesting racing you. done between people who are seriously committed uh, and who are, you know, at the very least amiable, if not, you know, civil people. Let's be civil. Like there are drivers mm-hmm. who are civil, who you know do not enjoy the press, who do not enjoy dealing with teammates, but who are genuinely and consistently civil. And if you're not, it's going to add up. Well, I will give Max Verstappen credit because we've spent the first 20 minutes of this show talking about him instead of the person we should be talking about, Spencer. Oh, man. Who won the race yesterday, his first win in Formula One after a long wait, after toiling away on Williams for many years, after you know having to follow in the footsteps of one of the best Formula One drivers, if not the best Formula One driver of all time, his teammate, who he was told to race but respectfully against this weekend. And they were very respectful to each other. And that's why Mercedes, I just am so happy for them with the one-two finish, their first one-two finish of the season. And of course, who we're talking about is George Russell, his first Formula One win, the best Mm -hmm. lad. He gets his win in Brazil. I I think we're going to make a momentous decision here, which before we do this, I want to preface it with, we don't here at DNF, we don't really like to change terminology or to um, to move too quickly and change our, our habits if we don't have to, okay? It would require a seismic change for us to really say, okay, let's reevaluate this. Let's talk about this a different way. George Russell had a dominant, dominant week. Yes. Right, the most dominant week of racing that Mercedes has had, period, overall. And the most dominant racing that we've managed to see out of George Russell individually. We've seen Dark George on a couple of occasions this year where he prioritized himself over uh, both Hamilton and the team, justifiably so because he was faster. But this, this was different. This was a full, well-orchestrated team effort behind a mature, confident, level-headed racer. Steady. One might say icy. We had a virtu- mm. we had a safety car come back. George Russell brought back to the pack. Oh yeah. no, might panic, might get overtaken. Something might happen. Uh-uh. Steady as a rock, man. Went Steady ahead, Eddie. cruised straight through it, and resumed pace and pulled away from everyone else. It was thrilling, but more more importantly, it was mature. He's no longer a prince. He's no longer a boy. One might say he is no longer the best lad. Not. <gasps> for lack of quality, all right? I'm gonna go ahead and say, 
I think we have to award him the best chap. He's the best chap. <laughs> oh my He's no God. longer a lad. We've watched him mature in front of our eyes. He's the best chap. The best chap, George Russell. Congratulations. As we crown a new monarch and watch a prince go to a king, so too <laughs> in mirror image do we see on the track a new monarch emerge. He said this wasn't going to be the last time and it was the first of many. Oh, our first best chap ever goes I'm to George so, Russell. I'm so proud of our little chap, our big Me, chap. You know what? Like I started that as a laugh, but you know what? Good, good on him. Like good. it was beautiful to see. Spencer watching him cry afterwards. First off, I mean, if if Formula One were like ten percent more popular in the U.S., that's the new mm-hmm. crying Jordan because the face oh, yeah. that he made was spectacular. It was crying. It was like sad. It was happy, but it was like also very confused and unsure. Mm-hmm. It was like, I don't know what to feel because I didn't expect to feel anything. And now it yeah. just like all the emotions are coming out. And then he's on FaceTime in the little debrief room. And Crofty's like, George is on the phone with his parents. And he turns the phone to the camera and it's Toto. And Toto is off somewhere off site mm-hmm. for some reason. He wasn't in Brazil. And he's so proud of his chap. And it made me like my heart swelled. I was the Grinch on Christmas my heart grew three sizes. It was unbelievably fun and and st- and just stellar to watch. Yes, and did you see, by the way, on the podium with him, hosing him with champagne and looking genuinely happy for him? That's right. Another best chap, Lewis Hamilton. Yes, an ideal, okay. an ideal arrangement there. Even I feel like Mercedes <laughs> is going to do transition to the next phase of whatever they are, so much better than Red Bull, <laughs> whatever well, that I mean, might be. I think you're right because I think like the the last few weeks, I guess maybe like the last seven races of the season, I think mm-hmm. Mercedes has really kind of like figured some things out, which yeah. I think is great for the car next year, but maybe is going to cause some concern or consternation amongst the drivers because as we saw this weekend George Russell like he's a serious driver he wants to win races he wants to be taken he is Joe Bluth he demands to be taken seriously and Lewis Hamilton is coming back and Lewis Hamilton's coming back because he wants to win his eighth championship the record is seven yeah he tied the record he would have won it last year uh in Abu Dhabi with his eighth, but he he obviously didn't, as we, we already have discussed m- more than enough. Um, and that's why he's coming back, I think, is just he wants number eight. And he wants number eight, but his teammate wants one too. And I think that's going mm-hmm. to be really interesting moving forward. I don't know who, you know, you, you kind of have to have like a one-two in, in Formula One driver-wise. You have to know who to call team orders on. And I mm-hmm. don't know what the situation will be if George comes out next season and he starts clicking really quickly at the beginning of the season, like he did this year. And then like Lewis is playing catch up, but then starts dominating, dominating again. So yes, I'm fascinated to see what happens next year with the Mercedes. I think if you're a Mercedes fan, you feel probably your, your emotions have probably done a 180 since the beginning of the season where it was like, holy shit, what are they, what, what tin can are they bouncing around in on these straightaways? This looks terrible versus now where it's like, they've probably done enough to set themselves up for success next year. I think you, I'll ask this as a question. Did we see a preview of their approach to a potential parody of drivers or at least at least a new sort of 1-1-A arrangement between the drivers when Mercedes said that they could go racing at the end of the race, but that they had to be respectful? 
said, all right, go for it. Don't knock each other out. I think I think so. I think that was the, the tactful approach to make there. And that probably would have been a better solution for for Red Bull. We haven't even talked about Alpine yet, Spencer. No, this no, no. <laughs> so, so I was talking with um, I, I was talking with a, a colleague of mine who's also an F one fan, and we both agreed that this was our favorite race of the season. Yeah, that I agree does, with that. That does not mean that it was good for the drivers. No, Let's be clear. <laughs> great entertainment value and good for the sport. And they're not always—they uh, don't always overlap. If you can see my hands, I'm doing the two—the yeah. two circles overlapping. Um, this was beyond entertaining because I think what happens toward the end of the year, as drivers are under either way more pressure or way less pressure the strictures of teamwork begin to erode a little bit. And in Alpine's case, they managed to do this because uh, you won't have the same teammates. There's yeah. not a lot that's... that's th These boys are tussling because they can. All right? Yeah. We had... Um, because uh, I know that Verstappen was hot <laughs> on the radio, but... It compares, I think, on par with Esteban Ocon. The the Ocon and Otmar conversation was like, I was genuinely shocked. And you're right. Everything that happened with Red Bull overshadowed it completely. But they were both, I mean, both drivers were being like totally petulant the entire weekend. They were had, the only thing I can classify it as is like Alonzo and Ocon have literally ran out of fucks to give this season. Mm -hmm. They do not care for each other. They do not care about Alpine finishing, you know, fourth or fifth in the Constructors' Championship. They don't give a single fuck. They just want to go out there and race hard, and they don't care if it's their teammate trying to pass them or not. They're just every man for himself right now. It, it's, it was, like, honestly a little crazy to watch. But there was another message um, Alonzo said where he said uh, the um, – Someone on race control asked if they wanted to talk to smooth things over. And he said, no, not really. I don't need to. It's one more race and then it's finally over. <laughs> Dude's rock. Dude's rock. Would you like to discuss your feelings and your problems? No, nah, I'm going to run out the clock on this. You're right. gonna... You know what? No, I'm, I'm 45. I'll probably just die depressed uh, in like 40 years. We're almost through. It's almost you already good. Listen, you already understand this. Like you've earned such dad points, Jessica, by already <laughs> understanding the basic approach of I could fix this or I could just wait until I die. I'm going to go play golf. Yeah, I'm going to go on my yacht <laughs> somewhere off the coast of Greece. I could fix my behavioral and emotional instability issues or I could buy a BMW. I don't know. Sebastian Vettel's just sitting there like, I'm so done with this. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, my God. I I'm mean, he, he had... He had issues with his teammate also this weekend. I mean, it was like a very sloppy weekend, I think we could say, for Formula One. Everyone was extremely sloppy mm -hmm. all over the place, including Lando Norris with his food poisoning. Well, in addition, Lando Norris, uh, absolutely sick off the track, and Daniel Ricciardo doing some sick moves on the track. <laughs> by that, I mean taking out K-Mag with a cruel, <sighs> kind of, a cruel kind of move because... Ricardo initially made contact with Kevin Magnuson and then was going to get through clean, but then Kevin Magnuson's car whipped around and knocked Ricardo out. 
which was like a little half second of beautiful karmic retribution happening yeah, right in front of the viewer um also daniel ricardo continuing his audition for the nascar truck series which i really appreciated daniel ricardo's instagram captions every week for the last year has been one of those weekends but and then like a picture of something that makes him happy and i honestly his approach on life is i admire it so much and and in in going back to the sloppiness of this weekend, we didn't even discuss how Kevin Magnuson was on pole for the sprint race. What the fuck? I mean, I know it was because there was uh -huh. rain and they had to end the session early, but his team put him out there in time to finish a lap, and you have to give them credit for that, for knowing the, the rain was going to change. What an amazing moment for him on Friday, winning uh, winning the first place position in the sprint race, and then <laughs> the ultimate valley beneath that peak getting knocked out by daniel ricardo who has almost nothing to race for he will not be back on the grid next year in the race on sunday unbelievable by, by the way a day a day before that uh had made him the image on his instagram saying you're pole sitter ladies and gentlemen <laughs> and not 24 hours later no! taking him out oh my god you're right i forgot he posted that what an incredible what a, I, is this our favorite race of the year this is our our absolute not not for the race but for the entire weekend like we feel confident this was the best one yeah i do i do i think that i loved it for so many reasons i loved it because in addition to cursing kmag that coming out in bills gear daniel ricardo might have also cursed the bills just to extend yeah. the running gag of daniel ricardo being the world's most cheerful black cat of a human being i really <laughs> enjoyed the multiple shenanigans over the course of the race that includes ferrari refusing to have a normal race nope nope not one having a wild sequence in qualifying uh when it comes to more delightful race mismanagement and also having uh admittedly a rough day on the track with uh charles leclerc going out yeah this was this was just not who man this was just not a not a great weekend for them either and i think when ferrari's bad they're generally more entertaining for me sorry that's yeah just, well that's, here here's true a, here's a race strategy question since we've been we've been a little light on the actual like you know race we've been talking a lot more about um these very funny and interesting people but if ferrari did what red bull did during the sprint race and put their driver out on medium tires. Verstappen and Nicholas Latifi were the only drivers with medium tires on Saturday mm -hmm. during the sprint race. And Verstappen was really struggling with it because, and that's how George Russell ultimately was able to win. Um, maybe they were trying to save a set of soft tires for Sunday. I, I don't know. It obviously didn't work either. You also have to include the Hamilton incident as part of that. But would we be making fun of Ferrari if they made that same choice before the sprint race? No, no. I, I, how's this? I don't know if Ferrari can make a right choice in my mind because <laughs> if they don't win, I'll just assume they screwed it up. Yeah. Right. That's how, that's, fair. that's how good they've been. And that's how, um, that's how cursed they've been. Um, I mean, I, I say that they had a rough weekend. Um, you know, they finished three, four. Yeah. But, but even then you can still get your jokes in on them, right? Yeah. Very, like very unassuming podium finish for Carlos Sainz, I think, because George Russell really like stole all the thunder from that post-race. Like him having his first win, I think was huge. And you know, when you're watching the, the show on Sky, they're like thrilled 
to tell you that this is the first time God Save the King has ever been played oh, on yeah. a podium. And I'm just sitting there like, huh, that's never something I've ever considered or thought about in my entire life. But I'm glad we get a little like British flavor with our with our F1 consumption here in the States. Yeah, it was it, it was uh, I think it was the most competitive racing I've seen in a while uh, overall, just down the line, everyone managing to get at least in some sort of little scrap down the line. Um, you had uh, the legend Valtteri Bottas down there getting a uh, getting some points. What a mustache. What it came out with the mustache and raced like he'd earned it. Frankly. Race like he had a mustache. You're absolutely right. Exactly, which includes, you know, a couple of little errors that might have lost him a place or two. But you know what? <laughs> it's about the process and the finish, not necessarily the post-game critique. It was my favorite race. I think it'll probably end up being my favorite race, barring whatever is going to happen in the finale, which I'm looking forward to. Like I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. You know, who stays motivated? I'm looking forward to seeing um, who manages to get a little spotlight. I'm looking forward to Sergio Perez maybe getting, you know, getting to pass his teammate if he's faster. Who <laughs> yeah, can say? I mean, this is a masterstroke by Red Bull. If this is a way to get people to root for Sergio Perez now in the final so that they win the one-two, if it's like some reverse psychology. But, yeah, we'll be back to talk about Abu Dhabi next weekend, uh, the season finale of the 2022 formula one season we really enjoyed watching brazil spencer i think that marie kondo meme i love mess really encapsulates my feelings about this one do you have any final thoughts before we log off here uh, hey listen it's fernando alonso's last uh last ride for alpine nobody says he can't do it shirtless <laughs> We'll see it. I'll just like first man, first man to just drive <laughs> nude, right? Well, we will all be tuning in for that. We'll see you next time. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.